You're listening to Pastor Ryan Couch at Calvary Chapel of Crook County as he teaches through the book of Ruth. If you have your Bibles ready, let's join Pastor Ryan now. And chapter 1 ended with this sentence, Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. And the author of the book of Ruth is, is simply giving us a little foreshadow of what is to come as we heard this morning that Ruth is now going to just so happen the text says, just so happen upon the field of a man who is far more than just a farmer, far more than just a man that can help her with some temporary needs. It goes way beyond that. And as we look at chapter 2 this morning, we're going to focus our attention upon the three main characters of this story, Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz. We were introduced to some other characters last week who have subsequently died and are no longer part of the story. But these three characters are the main characters that we will focus on. And we really see three things in our text. In the first three verses, we see the mission of Ruth. In the middle of our text, we see the meeting with Boaz. And then at the end of our passage this morning, we see the marveling of Naomi. The mission of Ruth, look at verses 1 through 3. It says, there was a relative... Of Naomi's husband. You remember Naomi's husband, Elimelech. There was a relative, a man of great wealth, of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. Now this again is a literary form that this author is using to introduce us to a new character and to focus our attention upon this character. Because it does seem interesting that we're going to meet Boaz in the course of this story. And so why introduce him now? Why give this information to us now when we already are going to see it in the natural course of the story? And it's because the author wants us to focus our attention there upon Boaz. A man of great wealth, a man of great resources, a man's man we're going to see. Because today, masculinity has been emasculated from men. Even in the church today, the church has been feminized. The church has really been demasculinized, if you will. And men are encouraged to to act like women so often. And yet God has created women with all of their tenderness and emotions and all of the things that he's given them for a reason. But God has created a man with his strength and with his stability emotionally typically, and with some of those other areas of strength that men are given naturally by God, and the things that God has called men to be, protectors and providers, we see that in this man Boaz, and it's so sad that we don't see it in more Christian men and godly men today. We certainly see that in Boaz. And so Ruth, the Moabitess, said to Naomi, please let me go to the field And glean heads of grain after him, in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. And so Ruth, who is not a lazy person, Ruth who has come to Christ or has come to a relationship with God, in our vantage point, from our perspective, a relationship with Christ. Of course, they would never say it that way. But we saw last week that she said to Naomi, 
that your God will become my God. She had given her life to follow the Lord. And as a result of that, Ruth does not say, you know what, God's just going to provide for me. God's just going to provide for us, Naomi. We're just going to kick back here. We're going to watch some, some TV. We're going we're gonna to hang out. We're going to eat some falafel and, and just have a good old time here. No. She says, let me go out and do my part. I believe that God will provide. I believe that God's going to bless us. We, we came here from Moab because of the news that you heard, Naomi. You, you heard that God had once again shown favor to his people. And we came here for that express purpose. And I believe that he will come through. Even though Naomi doesn't seem to believe that. But certainly Ruth trusts in God. But she doesn't take that trust to just simply say, I don't need to do anything. She says, let's go out. Let me go out to the field and glean heads of grain. This gleaning was sort of the welfare system of the day. Farmers were instructed to leave the corners of their fields untouched so that the poor and the needy could come and glean from those areas. They, they would also follow after the reapers and picked up, pick up what was dropped. And so this is what she's referring to. This is what she wants to do. And so she leaves. And she just so happens to come upon a field owned by, the, by a man by the name of Boaz. Now, do we believe that she just so happened to do that? Absolutely not. This, again, is the author's way of focusing our attention upon something. That it wasn't that she just so happened. Again, it was God's providence. It was God answering Naomi's prayer from chapter 1 in verse 8, where Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly the hased of God, the mercy and the grace of God. The Lord deal kindly with you. The Lord bless you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of of her husband. And so Naomi had prayed, and God is answering this prayer. And you guys, when you pray, when you pray specifically for things, do you look for God's answers? Do you expect Him to answer? Or do you think that He probably won't? Do you think that He doesn't care? No matter what your perspective, God does answer, and God does bless. Because Naomi, I think she's conflicted about whether God's going to answer or not. She's not so sure if God's blessing her because she says time and again, God's hand is against me. God is judging me. The Almighty is pouring out His wrath upon me, was her perspective. But here, we clearly see that God is answering prayer. She just so happens, no, the providential hased of God is leading her to this field belonging to Boaz. And now we see this meeting with Boaz. It just so happens that she comes upon this field. And it just so happens that Boaz comes that particular day to check in, to see what's going on. And look at verse 4. Now behold, this is an announcement, a proclamation. Behold, look who's coming on the scene. It's Boaz. He's come from Bethlehem, said the reapers. And Boaz says to them, Something very interesting. The Lord be with you. He doesn't say, hey, how much work have you guys got done? Hey, what's going on here? He says, the Lord be with you. Again, speaking of 
the character of this man. And when you think of a man's man, there's a lot of things that probably come to your mind. Maybe in Crook County, it's, it's a hunter. You know, he, he hunts, he, he kills what he eats, you know. He's a fisherman. He works hard. He's a cowboy. He knows how to ride a horse. Maybe those are the things that come to your mind. Maybe it's, it's the way a, a man dresses. He shouldn't dress like a woman, you know. He shouldn't wear anything that looks too nice. He's got he's to be tough. He's got to drive a truck. He's got to have a gun rack in the back. <laughs> and it's got to be dirty. It's got to have some hay shrapnel laying around and bailing wire. That's a man's man. You know, I'm exaggerating. But maybe those are the things that, that kind of come to your mind of what a man is. And you know, the Bible's description of a man is something completely different. In fact, some of those kind of guys in the Bible have, have not exactly been guys that you want to emulate. The Bible says Nimrod was a hunter, not exactly a guy you want to emulate. Esau was a hunter, you know, and I got no problem with hunting. I hunt myself. I'm just saying that some of the things that we think make a man aren't characteristics of a godly man, of a Christian man. They're different. Has nothing to do with how you dress or what kind of car you drive or if you know how to ride a horse or not. It has to do with how you treat people. It has to do with how you treat your wives, husbands. It has to do with how you raise your kids has to do with whether or not you're lazy. And look, look what it says about Boaz, that when he met his workers, he said, the Lord be with you. The Lord was at the very focus and the very center of this man's life. The, the first thing out of his mouth is, the Lord be with you guys. The Lord bless you. That's the kind of boss you want to have. And they answered him, the Lord bless you. God is the focus of this relationship, of this working relationship. Men, if, if you want to be a real man, if you want to be a man's man, then Jesus will be the key to that. And you look at Jesus, who is the epitome, the paragon of a man. And you know what? Jesus was sensitive. Jesus cared about people. Jesus was kind. He was compassionate. Jesus was tender. But Jesus also knew how to get in people's faces. Jesus also knew how to say what needed to be said. Jesus also knew how to sacrifice and give himself for others without complaining about it. And without drawing attention to himself. Jesus knew how to give without expecting anything in return. Jesus knew how to treat people well who could offer him nothing. That's a man. That's the kind of man I want to be. That's the kind of man Boaz is. Because you know what Boaz could have said to his workers that day? What are you doing, you idiots? You guys aren't working hard enough. You guys aren't making me enough money. That's my tendency. But Boaz says, the Lord be with you. And Boaz said to his servant, his foreman, the one who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? Now, obviously the, the text doesn't tell us, and we weren't there, but I'm imagining that there were quite a few people around the scene here. He's got his workers. I doubt that Ruth was the only gleaner. There's all kinds of people there. And yet Boaz fixes his attention upon Ruth. Does it just so happen, or is that the providence of God? He fixes his attention upon Ruth. Whose young woman is this? So the servant who was in charge of the reapers, the foreman answered and said, It is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. Word had gotten around. Everybody knows who this is. This is, this is the, the, the woman who had sacrificed it all to come back with Naomi to leave her family behind 
to leave security. That, that's her. And Ruth says to Boaz, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little in the house. And then Boaz said to Ruth, You will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go to glean in another field, no, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. And so Ruth is, has been there gleaning all day. Boaz comes and he says to her, don't go anywhere else. I want you to glean right here in my field amongst my grain. This is unusual because again, this was the welfare program of the day. And farmers did it out of obligation. They did it because that was the accepted practice. It was what was commanded by God. But I don't think any of them were like marketing their field. You know, hey, come, come to my field. We've got the best to glean in. I don't think any of them were making it bigger than it needed to be. I don't think they were begging people to stay. Hey, why don't you stay here and, and, and you can have it all. Don't go anywhere else. You know, this is unusual. Boaz isn't trying to sell her something. He's giving her something. And you notice how he treats her. This foreigner, number one, it was real typical for a Jewish man not to even speak to a woman. There was nothing wrong with that culturally. Number two, it was real common for a Jewish person not to interact with a Gentile, period. In fact, if they saw a Gentile walking toward them on the street, they might cross the street so that they wouldn't touch them or be breathed upon by them because they felt like they might become unclean. And so when you take that into your understanding and you realize that this is a woman and this is a Moabite woman who was an enemy of Israel, a Gentile, and you look at the way that Boaz is treating her, and then I want you to juxtapose that with the way that you treat people that can offer you nothing. Not the way you treat people that hold influence over your life, because that is not a test. Hypocrites treat those people well all the time. Not the people that you work for, not the people that are your biggest clients, not those that can talk badly about you to your family because they, they are connected there, not your family certainly, but those that can offer you nothing in return. The stranger, the waitress, the, the person that you are irritated by at the store because their cart is blocking the entire aisle and they're standing there looking at a box of cereal as if they're the only person in the world. I know those kind of people. I, I do that myself. And I hate it when I do it because I hate it when others do it. And how do you treat those kind of people? How do you treat people that can offer you nothing in return? The, the lowly among us, the poor, the impoverished, the hurting. How do you treat people? Well, we see how Boaz treats Ruth. He says, don't go anywhere else. Glean right here. I want to bless you. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? Again, this is not normal conversation for a wealthy man, the owner of the field, to say, I want to provide for you and I want to protect you. Again, a man's man. Obviously, Boaz is attracted to this young woman, Ruth. Obviously, there's more going on here than just a natural acquaintance, a 
happenstance, a brief encounter. There's way more going on here. Because he, he wants to provide for her, and now he is going to protect her. It would have been very typical for her just to be thrown to the wolves, if you will. For these men to have their way. But he says, have I not commanded my young men not to touch you? In this brief time that he's been introduced to Ruth, he's already had the thought process of protecting her. And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. Again, it would have been typical for for him to say, you know, if you're going to be hanging around, why don't you draw the water and you can serve the men? But he says, no, they'll serve you. So she fell on her face, bowed down to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? We notice something about Ruth here. We notice that she's a thankful person. And you know where thankfulness and gratefulness stems from? It stems from humility. People that don't say thank you are prideful people because they think that they deserve it. They think that they have it coming to them. But see, Ruth doesn't see it that way at all. She's thankful and she's humble. Why would you take notice of me? See, a prideful person would be like, well, of course you would take notice of me. I'm hot. I got it going on. Why wouldn't you take notice of me? I'm the hardest working gleaner out here. I sacrificed it all. I left my family to come and support this woman of yours. I have it coming to me, but not Ruth. She's thankful because she's humble. Again, in short supply in the church, in short supply. Humility, it's a commodity. You don't see it. And see, humility, you guys, it comes from the right relationship with God. Because as you understand who you are in light of who God is, you have no choice but to be humble. And so prideful people, and we all have pride, let's be honest, But I'm saying people that it just oozes out of them. That it just pours out of them. That they smell of it. Prideful people are people that don't spend time with Jesus. Prideful people are people that don't spend time in the Word. And I dare say prideful people are probably people that have deceived themselves into thinking that they're Christians when they're not. That have deceived themselves into thinking that they know God when they don't. Because the right relationship with God, you guys, it produces humility. And as much as pride stinks and repels people, humility is a beautiful aroma that attracts you to people. And Ruth has that. And Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you have left your father and your mother in the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you did not know before. Notice Boaz points this out. Ruth doesn't. Boaz notices this. He points it out to her. She didn't feel the need to brag or to boast or to to say what she had done. And it would kind of make sense to do so, right? To put yourself into that unique place. to, To set yourself apart from everybody else. So that you would find favor with this man. But she doesn't do that. But notice Boaz took notice of it. And you guys, the things that you do. You don't need to proclaim them. You don't need to boast. You don't need that everybody know about it. God will reward you. God will make known what needs to be known, even if you don't get credit for it. And that may be one of the most difficult things in the world, to do something and have the reward 
and the credit be given to somebody else. But Ruth does not care about those things. Boaz says, The Lord repay your work, and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. You guys, this isn't a works-based relationship that's being espoused here. This isn't you do for God and then God will bless you. You work and God will repay. No, that's not what's being spoken of. It's that she has placed herself under the protection and the provision of God. That she said to Naomi, your God will be my God. And she made steps of faith to have that happen. To make it real. See, she didn't just say it and then not live it. She's living it. And in light of that, in light of the fact that she has placed herself under the protection and the provision of God, that she has come under His wings to find refuge. In light of that, God is going to bless her and repay her. And she will be rewarded by God. Simply because of where she's placed herself. See, that's where the blessings of God come from, you guys. It isn't your work. It isn't your effort. It's your position. And when you position yourself under the blessings of God, you will be blessed. God's blessings are like a waterfall that are just continually flowing. And when you step under it, you're going to be blessed. If you remove yourself from it, you won't be. It's simple. Ruth had chosen to step under the blessings of God and she's being blessed. And so is Naomi, despite her lack of faith. And the Bible says that we are, when we are faithless, God is faithful. Because he doesn't change. Then she said, Let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and have spoken kindly. Again, the Hesed. You have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. You see, Ruth noticed how Boaz treated her. And you guys, people notice how we treat them. People take notice of that. And sometimes it is the smallest thing that people take notice of. And we all make mistakes. And we all blow it. But when God puts something on your heart, when God shows you to go out of your way for someone, do it. It has been a simple phone call at times that has caused people to see Jesus in my life. Just the return of a phone call or a simple gesture that seemed like nothing to me. There have been times where, where I've said something as simple as, you know what, the Lord bless you, and had people come back and say, you know when you said that, it really, it really just got to me. And I'm thinking, what? What did I say? Well, you, you know, you, you just, you said, the Lord bless you, okay? And so you never know what people are going to take notice of, what is going to really stick out. But know this, when you're rude and inconsiderate and prideful and uncaring, People notice that every time. Now Boaz said to her at mealtime, Come here and eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed parched grain to her and she ate and was satisfied and kept some back. Again, now she's not only out reaping in the field, collecting what would be the equivalent of a welfare check, but now he's invited her to his home to eat He's invited her to sit down and to partake of a meal with all of his workers. There's something very, very unusual going on here. And as the story unfolds, we'll see what is happening. And when she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. So now he's saying, let her go out into the main part of the field. 
Let her take whatever she wants. Also let her let grain fall purposely from the bundles for her. Leave it that she may glean and do not rebuke her. I would have loved to see the look on the foreman's face when he's giving him this instruction. I'm sure that Boaz didn't do this often. Hey, go ahead and just take handfuls out and just start dumping it all over the place. You know, in other words, just start throwing 5 and $10 bills all over and let her pick them up. So she gleaned in the field until evening and beat out what she had gleaned. And it was about an ephah of barley, which some people say is about 30 pounds. Other commentators say it was about a, a half a month's wages. Then she took it up and went into the city and her mother-in-law saw that she had gleaned. So she brought out and gave to her what she had kept back after she had been satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, where have you gleaned today? Remember, Naomi's an Israelite. Naomi grew up in this area. Naomi knew what was common. Naomi knew what to expect. She probably thought Ruth would come back with a little bag of grain, enough for dinner that night. No, she comes back fully satisfied from a meal, plus she's got 30 pounds of grain, and Naomi's like, where in the world have you been? You struck the mother look. (laughs) Where did you work? Blessed be the one who took notice of you. See, Naomi's smart enough to know that this is the providence of God. That someone took notice of Ruth. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And I think instantly many of the ideas that Naomi had about God melted. Many of the the things that she believed were happening went by the wayside in, in an instant. And there's those times. You know those times where you have epiphanies? You know those times where you just go, Oh man, how wrong was I? I think that's Naomi right here. Boaz. She knows Boaz. She knows who he is. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord, who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. Now, who she's referring to could be Boaz, it could be the Lord, it could be both. But let's look at it as if she's talking about the Lord, which I believe she is. Blessed be he of the Lord, who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. And the dead. What did Naomi say before? The Almighty has gone out against me. His hand of judgment is upon me. And in an instant, she realizes how wrong that is. And you guys, whatever dark time you're in right now, whatever situation you find yourself in, you need to be looking. You need to be looking for the hand of God. Not against you, but for you. You need to be looking for these Boaz moments where the darkness breaks And you see the blessing of God. Blessed be the Lord, she says. And when you do that, when you have those moments, worship ensues. And when you have opportunity to worship the Lord, you'll truly worship Him. Not be wondering, you know, why do do we spend a half an hour here singing songs? What's the point of this anyway? When are we going to get, you know, let's get going here. Why is that guy raising his hands over? What in the world is he doing? What's the point of worship anyway? Does God really need us to be singing to him? I mean, is it something that he really enjoys? Well, read the word of God. He enjoys it big time. And when you have those experiences with God, where all of a sudden you recognize, look, his hand isn't against me, his hand is for me. He wants to bless me. You become a worshiper. And if you're not a worshiper, it's because you haven't realized the said, the blessings of God. 
And Naomi said to her, This man is a relation of ours, one of our close relatives, or one of our redeemers. You see, there was another allowance made by God, commanded by God, and yet the people had no obligation necessarily to fulfill it legally. But if you had a close relative who had fallen upon hard times financially and maybe had to sell a piece of property, the culture would demand that you would buy that property back to keep it in the family. Or maybe you had a close relative that had to actually sell themselves into slavery to get themselves out of debt. That was common in that time. Well, what the culture would demand, what God would ask, is that you would actually buy that person out of slavery. That you would provide for them. That you would help them. It even went so far as to say that if you had a brother, and in this case, actually just a close relative, that died without children, that you would actually take his wife and have a child to further his line in his family name. Now, these are all things that just kind of blow my mind, and I just think, wow, you know, that's, that's really different than our culture today. You know, if you've got a family member that's going bankrupt, it's like, too bad for them. Guess they shouldn't have bought, bought that big house on the hill, huh? <laughs> I knew it when they got the Hummer, things were looking bad. <laughs> but in this, in this culture, it's totally different. This is a close relative of ours, a redeemer, a goel in the Hebrew, a kinsman redeemer. Now, if you know anything about the book of Ruth, you know that this is not just a story about a family in the midst of of the period of the judges. That this woman, Ruth, is in the line and the lineage of Jesus Christ. That Ruth and Boaz, as we're going to see next week and the following week, they end up getting married. They, they end up having a child by the name of Obed. Obed has a son by the name of Jesse. And, and oh yeah, Jesse had a son by the name of David. And so this isn't just happenstance. This isn't just, oh yeah, cool, you know. A Moabite and an Israelite hooked up and got married. Isn't that cool? And he's like 20 or 30 years older than her too. Wow. There's a lot more going on here than that. It's pointing us to Jesus. And when Naomi says to Ruth, this man is a goel, it's pointing us to our ultimate redeemer, Jesus Christ. The one who took us. The one who redeemed us. Foreigners. People that didn't deserve it. People that had turned their backs on him. And see, just like we'll see in the coming weeks, the the relative, the close relative, was under no legal obligation to do this. It was just what was accepted culturally. And you could decide, you know what, I don't want to do that. And yes, you would have a stigma put upon you. And you would be known as the one that refused to be a goel, to be the redeemer. You would be known as that. But if you didn't want to do it, if you didn't want to take your brother's wife, it was just like, hey, man, I didn't marry her. Sorry, bro. If you didn't want to bail that guy out, if you didn't want to help that lady out, you were under no legal obligation to do so. Here's the thing. Jesus was not obligated to go to the cross. He didn't have to. He wanted to. We didn't deserve it. He wasn't obligated to. He did it out of his hased, his love. His mercy, His kindness, His desire to have relationship with us. The same reason Boaz reaches out to Ruth. Because he wants to have relationship with her. 
And Ruth the Moabitess said, He also said to me, You shall stay close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, and that people do not meet you in any other field. You see, Naomi's getting, getting the idea here. She's figuring it out. She's slow, but she's not dumb. And maybe you're a little slow. Maybe it's taken you a little while to figure out that God isn't against you, that God is for you. Even though the circumstances of your life don't look like it at the moment. The circumstances of Naomi's life have not always looked like God's hand was for her. But he was, and he is. She's figuring it out. Don't go anywhere else, Ruth. You stay right there with this man. So she stayed close by the young women of Boaz to glean until the end of barley harvest and wheat harvest, and she dwelt with her mother-in-law. Again, just to kind of leave you hanging a little bit, she dwelt with her mother-in-law. Not for long, but for now. I encourage you guys to continue to read ahead. I hope that the Lord has spoken to you this morning through these things. Let's stand and pray together. Father, thank you for an amazing story. God, a story that, that I wasn't even aware of the, the profoundness, Lord, of, of the, amaze, the amazing implications. God, there's just so much here, and it all points to you. And Lord, I know there are many here this morning who are just struggling, God, who, who are hurting, Lord, whose circumstances just don't really point to the fact that you're for them, God, but we know that you are. God, because your word tells us that if you were willing to give Jesus for us, that you're also willing to give us everything else we need. And so, Lord, whatever our needs this morning, God, whatever we have need of, Lord, we believe this morning that you will meet that need. You are the becoming one, the great I am. Lord, you become to us what we need in our time of need. And Lord, we recognize that this morning, that whatever we need, God, you're here. You're the great healer, the great provider, the great protector, the great comforter, the God of peace, the God of rest. And Lord, even as we celebrate Labor Day this weekend, God, we're, we're reminded of the fact that we have rest in you. That Lord, you have told us to, to come to you, to take and to yoke up with you because your burden is easy and your yoke is light, Lord. That you're not dumping a bunch of obligations a bunch of rules and regulations upon us, but that God, you met the requirements for us, that you've given us right standing with you regardless of what we've done. And so, Lord, we stand this morning in awe of you, in awe of your grace, in awe of your hased, your kindness, God, your blessings that have nothing to do with us. And Lord, we worship you this morning. God, we praise you. We give you all the glory. God, make these truths, these realities that we read about, God, I pray they, they would go from our minds to our hearts. That, God, it would penetrate the soil of our lives and that it would grow up and produce fruit that other people can partake of, that other people can be blessed by. God, fruit for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Pastor Ryan Couch of Calvary Chapel, Crook County. For more information, you can write to us at P.O. Box 378, Prineville, Oregon, 97754. Thanks for listening, and God bless.